Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. All right, welcome to The Savage Nation. In a few moments, the President of the United States will join us to meet The Savage Nation because every vote counts. And I want to remind you of something that's very important. This interview, just as my book, Our Fight for America, is really not about a single man. It's about a nation. It's about a fight that can't be fought by one man. It must be fought by all of us. I've been on the radio for over 26 years, spreading the news and doing my part to resist the radical left's war on our borders, language, and culture. Now, over the past year, they've escalated it to a nuclear war, figuratively speaking. Every news story has become a dirty bomb. Every American institution has become a target. But of course, the two things exploited most by the left so far have been the coronavirus and the murder of George Floyd. I would also like to add that the character assassination of President Trump is on a level of homicide. I've never seen anything like this. No man on earth can be as bad as Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper make him out to be. And unfortunately, most of you have been demoralized, even though you feel that it's all biased and it's all uh, made up, most of it. Many of you are dispirited and demoralized, and you're saying, I'm not going to vote. That's exactly what they want you to think. They don't want you to vote. But I want to remind you that every vote counts. And even if you live in a state of tyranny, such as California or New York State, where your vote in your mind doesn't count, in a presidential election, the popular vote is counted. And so we need to make certain that you vote even if you feel it's not going to matter in your state. We need the final count. We need the final tally. So again, when the president joins us, it will be between he and I in the interview. And uh, I have many important questions. Some of them may not be important to you. But the entire interview is very important to me. As I said to you in the last hour, this is a a very personal uh, interview for me because it will no doubt be my last interview with President Trump or any other president for that matter, because I am leaving radio at the end of December, number one. And most importantly, on a personal level, only in America can an immigrant son such as myself wind up interviewing the most important, the most powerful man on the planet. Think about that. That's the greatness of America right here, right on this show right now. You don't have to be a conservative. You don't have to be a a moderate to understand what I just said to you, because you may have relatives who are opposite to you politically. It doesn't mean you have to hate them. As the great Judge Barrett just said, she has personal friends who disagree with her on everything, but she doesn't dislike them and they don't dislike her. That's the only hope we have left in this nation, is to not fall into the gutter with Antifa and BLM and attack those that we disagree with, pulling down statues, breaking windows, threatening people, uh, etc. That's true fascism. So again, I can ask you to line up by calling 855-407-282 and get online to ask on the board what you would like me to ask President Trump. And uh, if you call now, you'll probably get on. There are some news stories that are worth noting, by the way, while we're waiting for the president. And as I told you, this would happen. Johnson & Johnson has uh, stopped their COVID vaccine trial because one of their participants fell very ill. That's very important for you to know. 
I told you that I wouldn't take the vaccine. I don't care who told me it was safe because I know more about it than they do. And vaccines are only 45 to 48 percent effective at best. And of course, the dangers are very high with all vaccines. That doesn't mean I'm anti I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I am not going to take a vaccine that's rushed like this. So that's the good news. J&J had to pull their uh, COVID vaccine out of the trial. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, our great president, Donald Trump on the Savage Nation. President Trump, such an honor to have you here. Hi, Michael. I miss you. How are you? That's very sweet. President Trump, I'm going to ask you right off the bat, how are you feeling after dealing with COVID-19? Really good. And I will tell you, you know, I'm a little surprised. It was, I had a temperature. I was a little weak. We don't want to have weak uh, in, in, the, in the gene. And I was not exactly thrilled. But uh, and I tested, you know, very positive, like oh, 10 days ago, whatever it was. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden, Michael, I, I took this uh, Regeneron uh, and it was uh, it was uh, maybe I would have been gotten better anyway. You know, they say ninety nine point something. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, my- yeah, but you do, come on. Let's face it. You do have great genes. You're like a warrior. I, I don't know how you do it. But I want to ask you, President Trump, are you still eating hot dogs like the one you gave me on Air Force One? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, what, you know, that answer is very much like my mother at age 88. When I asked yeah. her, what's her secret to longevity? She told me she likes hot dogs. <laughs> I swear uh, yeah, absolutely. We had a good time, Mike. We had a good time. And you've been my friend and you've been there right from the beginning. When you- well, I certainly am still right here because I think every vote counts. Yeah. And I'm not belie- I'm not believing the polls, by the way. Um, the polls have you behind, but there's no energy for Biden. In fact, at an event this weekend, no one even showed up for him. How do you internally see the race right now, President Trump? I think we're winning in Florida. I think we're winning in Pennsylvania. I think we're winning in Ohio big. I think we're winning in uh, Arizona. I just got some polls. They're phony Good. polls. They're fake polls. They're worse than stories. You know, they're worse than when they write stories. They're fake news. And I had the same thing last time, much worse. I mean, last time. I think yes. nine states, I was expected to lose all nine, and I won all nine. Yes. You know, I, President Trump, I've said that to a lot of people who were downtrodden, and they say, oh, it's over, he's going to lose. I said, you know, you're buying the Kool-Aid that the left wing has been putting out. I said the same thing went on before the last election. They counted him out over and over again. They vilified the man, and, and now they're doing it all over again. I'm not so sure it's over yet, by the way. I don't think it's over at all. Now, do most people know that they're not voting for uh, old uh, sleepy old Joe, but for Kamala Harris? Do they really know that yet? I think, I think they view that. I, don't, I think she's not an asset, but uh, and he's certainly not an asset. He didn't even remember Mitt Romney's name yesterday, which was <laughs> that. Were, yeah, I heard that. I thought he, he thought he was running for the Senate as well. Yeah, if that were me, it would have been a whole different ball game. You know, with him, they give him a lot of passes, but. No, I think we're doing well. I think we're going to win. And I think, uh, you know, we're much, much closer than last time. And you know what they're called? Suppression polls. And they suppress. They try and suppress the vote. People say, hey, I love Trump, but we're not going to, you know, let's yes. dinner. And, uh, you know, it's just a suppression poll. But I'm going to Pennsylvania in a little while. We're going to have 25,000 people. We had to have 41,000 last night. You probably saw that. And he, mm-hmm. he gets 30 people, Michael. He gets like 25, 30 people. I know. I know. Well, they don't care because they have the illegal alien vote. You know, we're not allowed to say it, but we all know they have the illegal alien vote already locked up, which is why they love mail-in ballots that can't be really checked. Yeah. And, and, and they, 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 they think we're stupid, but we're not that stupid. 
Um, We're watching you know, that very closely, Michael, the, uh, the whole ballot thing. And, I mean, not a day goes by where you don't see, you know, ballots all over the place with Trump's name on it, like they had the military ballots with Trump's name on it thrown in a waste paper basket. Can you believe it? Yeah, no, I, I see the stories. So, President Trump, I asked the audience yesterday, what questions would you like me to ask uh, Mr. Mr. Trump when he's on, on the show? And, you know, came up over and over again. Everyone is worried about the street thugs. They don't know why the street thugs and Antifa and the others are allowed to burn and loot and shoot cops with impunity. What can be done? So it's all Democrat states. It's all Democrat cities, every one of them. These are thugs. The Antifa's no good. And, you know, the governors, Democrats, they have to ask us to come in. We went into Minneapolis and solved the problem in half an hour. We just, hmm. just a, a week later, so the place was half burned down. Hmm. But in Minneapolis, we solved it. We could solve it in Portland in 25 minutes. Hmm. You saw last week where I sent in the U.S. Marshals to get the guy that shot the young man in the street. Yes. Yes, good for you. Congratulations. They, them. they ended up killing him. I mean, he, he was a bad guy. But uh, so it's all Democrat run. They have to, you know, unless you want to send in the military, which you don't want to get into that. You don't need that. But uh, all Democrat run. And we send in our people and we solve the problem in two minutes. Uh, you know, as an example, Seattle. Seattle was a mess. We said we're coming in. As soon as we said we're coming in, everybody gave up. They all gave up. Yeah, they took off their black masks and went back to the universities to teach the courses in social studies. <laughs> President Trump, the economy is coming back in a big way, even with the lockdowns. Yet mayors and governors continue to keep lockdowns in place. Uh, you and I both know that some of them are purposely sabotaging a rebound in the economy. Why do they prefer to let Americans suffer rather than let them get back to work, which is what they would like to do? Well, they think it's going to help them in the election. It's not going to help them. I don't think it's going to help them at all. And I think we're going to announce phenomenal third quarter numbers because, you know, we're doing great. Now New York is down and another state is down and Pennsylvania and North Carolina. And we won a couple of cases. You know, we won in Michigan where they found it unconstitutional what she was doing. But, uh, no, we're opening them up. And, and then the World Health Organization came out yesterday. You saw that. And they announced that lockdowns aren't good the cure yeah i say yeah, i saw that right that got buried pretty quickly by cnn wolf Flitzer somehow missed that in his morning read yeah it didn't uh, it didn't get much publicity but they came out yesterday no i think we have it good the the economy's good the stock market's close to a record people's 401ks are very strong and you know biden's going to come in quadruple taxes he's going to charge taxes at a level that nobody's ever seen it's going to get You'll end up in a depression. I'll tell you that. You'll end up in a disaster. One of the most, most important, well, let's say one of the most frequent questions I've been getting from people is about the printing of money for these stimulus bills. I know it's a very sensitive issue and question, and I know that your back is against the wall here because you have almost no choice, but what is going to happen in the long run with this kind of printing of money thing? Everyone's asking what can be done. Yeah. So in the end, we're going to grow our way out of it because the economy is really big and it's really, really strong. And if we didn't have the big foundations, you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't. You'd have a disaster right now. We're looking like it's a V. And this was all caused by China. They should have never let it happen, Michael. You know, it just all came out of China and they should have stopped it. But the fact is that uh, we are going to grow our way out of it very quickly once we get started. We were there. You know, we were. 
if you go back seven months ago, in fact, not only were we there, we were, we were starting to get along with people that you wouldn't have believed we would have gotten along with. It was success. And then the COVID came in, the China virus came in. But no, we'll grow our way out of it very, very quickly. We were there. That was going to happen. And then, it, you know, the, the other thing happened, and it's one of those things. But well, I have to set the record straight. I remember you and I spoke in February, and you were on the phone with me. I think it's when you appointed me to the Presidio Trust. And by the way, thank you very much for that. Good. One day after the election, I'd like to tell you how important that appointment has turned out to be with regard to what they're trying to do here. But let's not get distracted. You said to me on the phone that you were shutting down travel from China. I distinctly remember that. And at the same time you were shutting down travel from China, right at the beginning of the COVID epidemic, Nancy Pelosi was seen in Chinatown, San Francisco, walking around telling people it was safe to go to Chinatown and eat dim sum. And yet they have the nerve to say that you're responsible for this? Who do they think they're fooling? They were very slow, and frankly, if we, weren't, if we didn't do what we did, you would have had 2 million deaths. You would have had 2 million more deaths. You know, it was estimated to be 2.2 million, and I'm not saying 210,000. Any one death is too much. This right. never happened from China, but uh, we could have had 2 million, 2.2 million deaths. Uh, we, the job we've done, I heard you talking about vaccines and other things, but, you know, the therapeutics, I think, frankly, the cure. I took something that was... So good, the antibodies. I mean, for me, a day later, two days later, I was feeling very, very good. And it's, it's Regeneron, I, I guess it regenerated you. It regenerated you so well you can still eat hot dogs. It regenerated. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think you're Let right. me ask you, President Trump, you know, your greatest, so many things you've done that have been swept under the rug that are really great for world peace. The Democrats like to pose as the party of peace, and you're supposed to be the warmonger. Meanwhile, we have troops withdrawn under you from Afghanistan, yep. from Iraq, uh, from Syria. The greatest peace accord in our lifetime between the Arabs and the Jews. Any other president would have been celebrated for this. The, uh, uh, the Democrats and the media make believe it didn't happen. Can you please tell us if you consider that one of your great legacies? Well, I do. I think uh, judges, we, I have 300 judges by the end of the term, first term, which is a record. And three Supreme Court judges. If you look at uh, what's going on today with uh, Amy, she's doing a Oh, she's great. Job. She is great. Wow, they can't touch her. No, no, she's fantastic. So you have three Supreme Court justices. But, no, I'm very proud of that because I, I know you're a big fan of Israel and, and what we've done. Nobody's done what we've done with between Jerusalem and Golan Heights and, and frankly, breaking up the Iran deal, which would have been a disaster for Israel. And well, so you brought the Jews and the Arabs together. That first flight from Israel to the UAE was was historic. Yep. How in the world can people say you're a warmonger when in the face of it, you're a peacemaker? Well, I have built a military, rebuilt the military. We have two point five trillion into the military. We have the greatest weaponry ever. And we need that, Michael. We have to have that. You know, we have to have that. But uh, no, I, I think we've done a job like nobody else. Actually, the other side, the so-called professionals that have been doing this for 40 years, they can't believe what we've been able to do. And we have many countries right now that want to come on. Now, Nancy Pelosi, we're not going to talk about her, but this 25th Amendment is a, is, is a trick. Yep. And everyone sees that she intends to commit senile Joe to an old age home and let her stooge uh, uh, Harris win. Speaking of this kind of, um, let's say, uh, Machiavellian activity, Many are asking President Trump, would you declassify all of the material which shows the Obama administration spied on your campaign and tried to enact a soft coup? 
Well, I've actually done that, and we've caught them cold, and we're going to push it very strong. But we've caught them, and I have declassified everything. Everything's been, virtually everything's been declassified. And uh, honestly, we caught them cold. It's a disgraceful thing that happened. You know, then they talk about the peaceful transference of power, but there was nothing peaceful about it because they were after me before I even got elected. So oh, well, they haven't they haven't stopped yet. But, they haven't stopped yet. Well, we haven't stopped either, but we've got no, old Michael. We I, have, I see your fighting spirit has uh, been regenerated as well. We have no choice. I tell you what. <laughs> no, how, no, I got to ask you a personal question. Go ahead. How do you how do you have this fighting spirit? Is this a genetic thing from your mother, father or both? Maybe. I don't know. But I, I, I don't even think about it. A lot of people ask me that question, the energy or the spirit. But I just love what I'm doing. And we're doing a great job. And no administration's done what we've done in the first three and a half years between the military, the tax cuts, regulation cuts, all of the judges, you know, 300. Think of it by the end of the term, 300 federal judges. It's unheard of records. And, and Amy Barrett, by the way, she is some choice. She's going to be a shoo-in because they can't touch her. You know, President Trump, I'm watching her, and she is presidential material way down the road. That woman is, is really great. I don't know how you, how you had the, the brains to pick, on, pick her out. Boy, she is good. Well, you know, a lot of people said that was the one they wanted. Everybody was talking about her. and Her professor, I saw this professor who's a longtime professor, a lot of brilliant students. He said the most brilliant student I've ever had was Amy. And, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. She's doing a fantastic job. Did you see what the liberals did to her in the beginning? Here's a woman with seven children, two of whom are adopted from Haiti. Uh, two children from Haiti, they try to make her into a racist for adopting two children who would have died in poverty in Haiti. Are they that crazy to think that the people are going to buy that? Well, you know, it's interesting because it hasn't been brought up much today and at all, maybe. No, because they tried it and it, it blew up in their face. Backfired. They, don't, they can't touch her. They can't touch her. They can't touch her. She's so what, vit what vitamins are you taking? You know, I'm a vitamin nut. What vitamins are you taking? Are you taking it? That, though, because I don't take vitamins. I've never taken vitamins. But Well, wait a minute now. When you win again and you get time again, I'm going to sit down with you and tell you you've got to take some vitamins. I'll tell you which ones you have to take. Well, tell me now. Go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> I wrote the books on them 30 years ago. Come on. You've got to take some vitamin D. You've got to take some vitamin D. It's known to stimulate the immune system. It'll even work well with the Regeneron. It doesn't conflict with Regeneron. So in addition to the Regeneron, which is a miracle drug in a way, uh, you know, the monoclonal antibodies are working. But your body itself needs the help with uh, vitamin D, vitamin A, and several other vitamins. Vitamin C would be a, a big help for you. Zinc is important. Michael, I heard you talking about the vaccines. But Regeneron, you do think that's something pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I personally am opposed to a vaccine that hasn't had enough of a trial, but Regeneron looks like a miracle drug to me. I mean, and the beauty is this drug was created by two guys from Queens. That's the amazing part. It's an amazing story of that company, yeah. but it really works. You know, but before we go, President Trump, here you got the disease they said kills everyone. Yeah. And then everyone found out, no, the mortality rate is very low. Here you are, 74 years old. You get the disease. The left wing celebrates and three days later, you're back on the campaign trail. Yeah. So shouldn't they learn from that, that this is a disease? Yes, it's a virus. Yes, it's serious. Yes, you should take precautions. But it's not worthy of locking down an entire state or entire nation because the mortality rate is extremely low? That's true. W, uh, the World Health Organization came out yesterday, finally admitted that I was right. 
And it's true. Yeah. But I, I will say this. I'm leaving in just a few minutes for Pennsylvania. Yes. They have an unbelievable crowd, and, and I look forward to doing it. You're right. I caught it, and you fight it off, and you have to fight it off, and it's just one of those things. And then they say you're immune. Now, I don't know how long, whether it's four months or a whole lifetime. Nobody really gets how, how is How is my favorite lady on the planet next to my wife doing, she, Mrs. Trump? Fantastically. She says hello. I said I'd be speaking to you. It's great to speak to you, too, actually. No, no, you know, you know that we have a certain feel, a rapport. Well, like when I see you folks once in a while, you know there's an emotional feeling. I don't know how that works. How does that work between people? I don't understand it. Well, the there was. Is, we had, uh, and right from the beginning, you know, you were sort of saying, that guy's got a really good shot. And I always remembered that, you know, not everybody said. Well, I want to rem- remind the people today that even if you live in a communist state that you think your vote doesn't count, like California or New York, your vote counts in the popular vote tally. We've got to get everyone listening to this show to get off their behinds and go out and vote, send in those ballots, whatever you have to do, because every vote counts, and we need Donald Trump for another four years. That's what I say. Well, Michael, I appreciate it, and I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win by maybe a lot, but we'll, if, if it's two votes, it's okay. But you know what? I think we're going to win by maybe a lot. And, you know, when we have 25,000, 30,000 people every time I stop, that's your best poll. That's those. Yeah, but take, President Trump, please take care of your health. You know, health is number one. You know, you're still in recovery. You still have to, you know, be be strong, but be a little careful. You know, that's what I'm. That, that's as one friend to another. Just okay. You know, be be a little careful. You know, don't overdo it. You know, you're still in recovery. Your body is still healing. That, that's what I would say. I don't mean to be a, a nervous Nancy here, but let's be careful. It's good. Let's be careful. We care about you. President Trump, we've got to let you go to Pennsylvania. You've got big things to do. From the bottom of my heart, the part that's still left, I want to thank you for being with us today on the Savage Nation. And I know that everyone listening to the show feels exactly the same way. Thank you, Michael. It's an honor. And I will see you soon. You take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye now. Savage. We all know losing weight is tough. And with COVID lockdowns, many of you are probably experiencing weight gain. Well, uh, are you ordering too much takeout, heading for the snack cabinet too often, loading up on sweets? Are you lacking the energy you once did and wanting to drop a few pounds but not sure how to get started? Luckily, Nutrisystem is here to help you get back on track. Nutrisystem is simple and convenient with delicious meals delivered right to your door with little to no meal prep required. Their menu includes burgers, pizzas, and even snacks. Millions of people have lost weight with Nutrisystem. Nutrisystem offers perfectly portioned foods delivered right to your door. That means no shopping in busy grocery stores. With Nutrisystem, you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. The plan is clinically proven to put your body in fat-burning mode and helps you achieve safe and healthy weight loss. Nutrisystem helps you lose weight and learn how to keep it off. Order Nutrisystem now. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash savage and you're going to get 50 percent off nutrisystem.com slash savage all right welcome to the savage nation today i'm interviewing president donald trump this is a very personal interview for me and a very personal time for me because only in america can an immigrant son end up interviewing the most important and powerful man on the planet. Now, that's the greatness of America. Now, remember this. This will no doubt 
be my last interview with President Trump or any other president for that matter. As you know, I'll be leaving radio at the end of uh, December. As far as the interview itself goes, many of you have questions, and most of them are very important and thoughtful. But I want to remind you that the president has enough enemies out there. I do not need to put him in the hot seat. I will ask him real questions, tough questions, but I will not try to make him uncomfortable just to to prove to some of you that I can do so. After four years of being beaten up by the vermin in the media, I think he's had quite enough. So now let's begin. Let me ask you, the audience of the Savage Nation, what would you like me to ask President Trump? And what would you say President Trump's number one, number two, and number three top accomplishments are thus far? The phone number here is 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. If you want to talk about the Barrett hearings, I'll do it in one sentence or less. The woman is great. She is presidential material. I would vote for her in a minute. They can't touch her. She's Teflon. They cannot touch this woman. They look like fools and clowns dropping their posters. She's in and they know it. It's a done deal. She's very classy, very smart, very fast, and also a great woman. All they had against her was she adopted two children from Haiti, who who she saved from poverty and death, and they called her a racist for adopting children from Haiti. That's your Democrat party. You know, I live in a largely Democrat area. I see some of the most insulting lawn signs of my life. I can't believe the stuff that these psychopaths are putting on their lawns. One day we will wake up and, like a dream, he will be gone. The nightmare will be over. Another moron who runs a drug, some kind of drug den somewhere, I think, put a sign up this morning that says, soon we will wake up and the Orwellian nightmare will be over. What Orwellian nightmare are you living in, you moron? There are no secret police knocking at your door, you ass. But I say nothing to these idiots. We have free speech in America, and if they want to make idiots of themselves and show their drug-addicted minds, so be it. We have no war in this country. Democrats claim they're a party of peace, yet it was Trump who brought us to war, right? No, he didn't bring us to war. He brought the troops home from Syria and Afghanistan. He gave us a Middle East peace between the Arabs and the Jews that is historic. There are many things that this president has done that you know nothing about because of the, let's be very mild about it, the psychopaths in the media. You would think he's worse than Hitler, Mussolini, Pol Pot, and such because your brains have been washed by Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, and Rachel Maddow. That's how sick this country has become. The president is not a perfect man. He's far from perfect. He is a rude guy, aggressive. This is how he became a president. I had wished he had stopped tweeting last year, and I said so. I thought it was to his detriment. If we can believe the polls, that is true. Most people wish he stops the tweeting. I think that he could have toned it down a bit and been more Reagan-like, but that's me talking, not him. I'm not the president. He is who he is. Now, he's overcome this disease. He got it. They gave him the most advanced treatments in the world, and he's back there on the campaign trail, and today he'll be on my show. It's almost a miracle to think this man is this strong. But... It should also be an encouragement to all of us on two fronts. 
One is that most of us, should we get this virus, will survive it. And number two, how strong this guy is. Very important stories. What a record he had before the COVID infection unleashed upon us by China. And so today we have a lot to talk about. Again, it's very uh, personal for me because I have to repeat myself. Only in America can an immigrant son such as myself wind up interviewing the most important, the most powerful man on the planet. Think about that. That is the greatness of America. And if you yourself are an immigrant to this country right now listening to me, whether you're from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Ireland, you may be poor, but you may be rich in spirit. And hard work and family will get you there. That's the greatness of America. And remember, the interview that you will hear on this show with the president will no doubt be my last interview with President Trump or any other president for that matter, because I will be leaving radio at the end of December. Again, many of you have great questions. I've gotten many of them today and yesterday on Twitter and on Facebook. And most of them are thoughtful, important. Uh, only a few of them were stupid, put up there by people who didn't even hear what I was asking them. I want to remind you again, though, I will ask him tough questions, real questions, substantive questions, but I will not go out of my way to make him uncomfortable, not after four years of being maligned and beaten up by the uh, Salenterites in the media. He has enough enemies out there. It's not my job to put him in the hot seat. So now let us begin again on the Savage Nation. Let me ask you, the audience of the Savage Nation, whether you're a new listener or one who's been listening since, oh, 25, 26 years ago, what would you like me to ask President Trump today? And what would you say President Trump's number one, number two, and number three top accomplishments are so far? Let's begin with Steve in New York on line eight. Steve, go ahead, please. What's the question for the president? Yes, Dr. Savage. The, the, the most important question he has to answer is what is he doing to make sure these people do not cheat and cheat him out of this election? Because to me, that's the only... Well, what are you going to do if you go to the polls and Black Lives Matter thugs are there with sticks in their hands? What are you going to do? Uh, well, I mean, the Black Panthers intimidated people during the last election, didn't they? And everyone made believe it wasn't happening? Uh, that's one thing I don't have to. I would like to see military at our ballot boxes, at our, our polling stations. How do you like that? National Guard at the polling stations in order to make sure that these thugs do not intimidate us in the last place we have to exhibit our vote. The last chance for freedom, the last gasp of freedom. The Democrats are, as you well know, funding these thugs. Funding these, uh, funding these rioters. We all know that. We all know that friendly old Joe is not the candidate. He's the front man. Friendly old Joe is the front man for the Nancy Pelosi machine that has destroyed California. Kamala Harris is a front person for the Pelosi machine. Everybody knows that. Everyone can see through it. Anyone with an IQ can see that. So you got to ask yourself, would you rather have the president be Trump or Kamala Harris? Remember when she was running, when she wanted to run for the presidency, she was so unpopular that even amongst Democrats, she only polled at 
and yet she may be your next president if you buy the lie that is being put out by the leftist media out there. So again, I ask you, uh, I'll ask you another question. Do you believe the polls? Jim, leave some lines open because many of you think it's a, it's a shoe in that he's going to lose. Many of you have bought it lock, stock, and barrel that it's over. Uh, you read the Drudge Report, and I still consider Mr. Drudge a friend of mine. He has his political views that are his own. But, you know, Amy Barrett said it best. She said she doesn't like to define people by their political opinions. She defines them as the people they are. That's the greatness of our country, is we can disagree with someone 180 degrees and still not hate them. That is the only hope we have left. Amy Barrett taught us that today. She said, I have many friends who disagree with me very strongly on most issues, but we're still friends. I'd like to believe that that's true for you, the listener of the Savage Nation. Do not fall down to the level of the thugs and the bums on the left in this country. In Portland, the mayoral candidate was seen wearing a skirt featuring photos of communist murderers like Mao Zedong, who killed 30 million Chinese. She is polling ahead of the ultra-liberal mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, who catered to Antifa. This one is an outright Maoist who would put you into a concentration camp and have you killed. And she's polling ahead of him. So we have to know these things are going on without becoming incensed to the extent that we become crazy like them. Okay, we have to maintain our civility. We must not fall to the level of Antifa. And I will ask the president what he's going to do to stop them. I see people with black masks on, with sticks, clubs, rocks, Molotov cocktails, and they're not in prison. I, I don't know why. I don't know why they're not in prison. Can anyone answer that question? Why are they out there with sticks and clubs and Molotov cocktails? Why are they beating people up and not being thrown in jail? They've neutralized the police. They have the left-wing establishment on their side. But most of America does not back these thugs, these anarchist thugs. Why are they not in prison? I don't have the answer to you. for you. I do not. Trump said he would like to have them arrested, didn't he? I think he said that just the other day. He wants the FBI to go after them. Well, unfortunately for him, the FBI doesn't report to him. They report to a higher power, I suppose. Texas, Albert, you're calling on that very issue. Go ahead, please. What's the question for the president? Yes, sir. My question was, is there any way President Trump can pass an executive order where in some of these towns where these people are rioting and attacking the police officers, the police can de defend themselves with deadly force if necessary, and he can override the mayor of that city? Well, I, I believe that uh, there's a precedent for this. And in fact, I know it. I know history well enough to tell you it goes back to Dwight D. Eisenhower, a great American hero. He called out paratroopers to suppress rioters back in the 1950s. It's happened under seven, six or seven presidents have used the military or National Guard to put down rioters and people were killed who refused to go home and put their weapons down. I have no idea why they're allowed to do these things. I don't know why at all. And I, don't, I know this about cancer. Cancer spreads 
if it's not cut out of a body. Unless a chemical is used or a scalpel is used to kill the cancer cells, they will metastasize and spread throughout the entire body. Does that answer your question, Albert? Pretty much, pretty much. You yeah. know, well, I think that most Americans agree with us. We do not like disorder. We do not like violence. And we do not like Antifa. And most of us do not like BLM, by the way. We are being forced to make believe we like BLM. We're being forced to make believe that we think that they're all civil uh, rights activists. When most of us who study them know the opposite is true. So who in the world out there thinks that President Trump is going to stop them? I hope that if he wins, he will stop them. I hope that if he loses, he will stop them in the waning months of his presidency. Remember, remember this, even if he loses the election, he still has quite a few number of weeks left during which time he can do an awful lot of good for this country. And he certainly can make certain that we the people are safe from these anarchists and these other violent thugs who are threatening to topple the nation. Savage. Synthetic identity fraud. You ever hear of that? Synthetic identity fraud. It's one of the fastest growing financial crimes in the United States. It happens when criminals use a combination of fake and real information to create an entirely new identity. See, they combine real personally identifiable information, such as a social security number, with a fake name and address. They open bank accounts, seek credit, or even obtain health insurance. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the Internet. Now, you could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. That's a good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can find out if your information is on the dark web. Go and get your free dark web scan at lifelock.com slash scan. It's free. And then pick the plan that's right for you and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code SAVAGE. So that's a free scan at lifelock.com slash scan. And then 25% off with promo code SAVAGE. Lifelock.com slash scan. Promo code SAVAGE. president will be with us in the next hour and we have an unprecedented situation for you on the savage nation never in my 26 years has management agreed to blow off all the ads i find it insulting and embarrassing by the way to interview a president and then break for for an ad of any kind god bless my advertisers but we're not breaking for them so when the interview begins at 06 or 07 of the next hour it will go right to the uh, bottom of the hour. And uh, although I've sketched out some questions for the president, you know that when President Trump and I get talking, it becomes much different than a political discussion. It becomes a personal discussion. I have to remind you, I grew up in an attached house in Queens, New York, on the, quote, poor side of uh, Union Turnpike. He grew up on the other side of Union Turnpike in Queens, 
where there were the big bigger houses. I mean, by today's standards, they're all kind of small to me. But um, he, we breathed the same air. We probably went to Cunningham Park at different times for the same exact reasons. Back seats of cars, things like that. Play ball, cook a hot dog. We never knew each other. I'm sure he wouldn't have liked me. I'm sure he came from a different world. He would have looked down upon me. I'm telling you the way it is. I know, I know the whole social structure of this country. I was just one of those kids on the other side of the turnpike. But here it is all these years later. And as fate would have it, like in a Verdi opera, here I am, this ex-poor kid, interviewing the most powerful man on earth, not for the first time either. And I will try my best to make it entertaining and substantive. And speaking about the election, let's say you've given up already because the media has you convinced that um, the hologram in the basement is going to win. I want to remind you that every vote counts. So even if you live in a state like New York or California, which is a guarantee lock for the communists, every vote for Trump matters because the count of the popular vote will become a very important signature of this election. So don't throw your vote away because the media has convinced you that it's worthless in the two states that have been taken over by illegal aliens. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. In approximately 30 minutes, the president of the United States will join you, the savage listeners. Now, there's a backstory to this. Backstory is is that um, this didn't happen by itself. Backstory is, it took a lot of work on my part to get the president on this show. I had to remind the people who book him that most of the shows he was on last week were those that mocked him, laughed at him, and laughed at his voters in 2015. And that it was you, the listeners of the Savage Nation, who put the president over the finish line. Now, how do I know that? Everyone says they did it. Well, let's take the president's words themselves. Shortly after the victory last, and during the last election, we're talking a long time ago now, I happened to have gone to Florida. I was at Mar-a-Lago, and I had, never, I had not seen the president. I'd seen him before at, at, uh, here and there, but not since he had won. So he walks into Mar-a-Lago, bigger than life. He had just won the election, for God's sake, surrounded by Secret Service, and I, being who I am, kind of ran up to him. <laughs> ran up to him. I'm lucky the Secret Service didn't take me down. But they, they did the right thing. I mean, they moved to stop me getting near him. And he, he brushed them off. He was really wild in those days. It was like, nah, 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 let him here, let him here. He put his arm around me. And to everyone assembled in Mar-a-Lago, he said, without this man, I wouldn't be president. Those are his words, not mine. I do not know if he said that to all the others uh, who helped him. I know he said it to me. Now, how did he know that? Because I remember the day of the election. At the time, I was on seven stations in Florida. Today, I am on no stations in Florida. Little by little, the wonderful people I work with have denuded me of all my powerful stations. I can let you figure out why. The ratings were great. I mean, in Washington, D.C., I had the biggest ratings on the station, bigger than the morning show, and they took me off the station. You think it was for political reasons? Nah. No. There's no politics in the radio business. So the fact of the matter is, he knew that the election hinged on Florida, and um, they came on my, he came on the show. I don't know if you remember that show. Some of you do. 
In fact, maybe we'll play it later in the week. He sounded defeated. I even said to him, you sound downhearted, Mr. At the time, it was Mr. Trump. And he said, no, I'm okay. But I, he sounded defeated. It looked, it looked, sounded to me like he sounded like he lost. Right, Jim? Jim remembers the show. But it was my shows in Florida and his appearance that turned the tide. Now, today is a different story. He's the underdog today. He's greatly, greatly, greatly the underdog. 99% of the media is against him. Even people who are once his friends have been stabbing him in the back and making stuff up like I've never seen. I mean, it's enough to criticize him for his, his bad policies here and there, or his mistakes, but around-the-clock hatred like this I have never seen in my lifetime projected onto any politician in the United States of America, ever. Never. I've never seen anything like it. So <clears throat> what's going to happen today, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen today, but I want to remind you why it's important for you to vote for him. Let's say you live in a state like I do, California, which you know is owned by the SEIU and the Pelosi machine, the Service Employees International Union. I watched them grow in this state until they became the powerful force behind every election and every, every opinion. Okay, so who is the SEIU? Well, it's largely service employees, and they are wonderful people. Most of them are hardworking. But uh, the majority of them are not citizens of the United States, and yet their votes count. They shouldn't count. There should be voter ID, 100% voter ID, but there isn't because of them and because of people like those on the left. So why vote? She'll say, look, if I live in California, why should I vote for Trump? I live in New York City, why should I vote for Trump? I know he's going to lose. Because, again, I want to remind you that the, the final tally will include the popular vote, right? We want to make sure that every one of our votes count even if it doesn't mean he wins, which we hope he does, so that the, the conglomerate total, right, popular vote is as large as it can actually be, given that we're running up against such odds and that we're all underdogs in the country today. So that's why it's important that you listen to him today and that you vote. I'm, I don't think I'm going to hold, uh, we're not having open calls to the president during his visit. It'll get too confusing. I have plenty of questions from all of you and of my own, by the way. And uh, I will be interviewing him right after the top of, of the next hour. And if you miss any of it, you can catch it on the podcast probably forever because that's how pod, podcasts uh, are. But again, I want to repeat again before we go into the, the um, essence of the show, the essence of the interview and what you want me to ask him. And I won't be able to ask all these questions. I'm getting them all day long from friends and other people telling me what to ask him. They don't seem to understand that I have a very special role to play today and that I have to live with this interview forever. I have to live with it forever. So it's really what I want to do. I don't really want to please anyone. I don't want to have to come out of this and say to a friend here and a friend there, oh, I was tough, wasn't I? That's not my job. My job is not to undermine Trump. He has enough enemies of his own. I have serious enough questions about the economy and whatnot without getting malicious about it. And I want to say again, it's a very personal day for me. I have to repeat, only in this great country can an immigrant son, meaning me, end up interviewing the most important, the most powerful man on the planet. I do not believe there's another person in the major media who is an immigrant son that I know of. If there is, or an immigrant's daughter, God bless him. Why does that matter? It matters because I have one foot in the old world and I have one foot in the new world. I am the American promise. 
I am the American dream. Do you understand that? I am the American dream. Through all of the trials and tribulations that I have gone through to get here, I'm the epitome. I'm the exemplar of what is possible in this nation. And it's to his credit that he'll even come on this show, by the way. I am not part of the cartel that uh, controls the radio business. You will find out who they are in January when I'm free of the constraints that I am under. You'll be shocked to learn that almost all members of this cartel are represented by the very same agent who is the brother of one of the, the most powerful cartel member. They're not bad people. It's the way business works. You crush your opposition while telling everyone you're a great American. If you think that's the greatness of America, I have another, another guest coming for you. And remember this, this will no doubt be my last interview with President Trump or any other president. I will be leaving radio at the end of December. And as far as that goes, I don't really know what I want to do after that. I, I don't even know if I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going back and forth on that, but I'm going to save that for another day. I may just decide to do nothing. I have books to write. I have paintings to paint. We have owls to protect. We have lands to protect. We have wild mustangs to protect. There are things other than radio that need to be done. And there's only one life to be lived. This is my fourth career, not my first. And so it's my last interview today. And the president has enough enemies out there. I do not need to put him in the hot seat. So again, let me go back to you, the audience. What would you ask the president if you could? And I'm not sure I'll be able to ask all of these questions, but they're good ones. Let's go to Richard and online too, because many people are asking this very question that Richard's going to ask from Indiana. Richard, what's your question, please? My question is, I'm a Trump supporter, already voted. Uh, my question is, is what are we going to have to do to take care of these trillions and trillions of dollars that we have spent this year? I agree with you. I'm a fiscal conservative yes. like yourself. And it's the question you just asked is one of the most popular questions I am getting on, on the places where I, I've asked for, for the questions I should ask him. Everyone's concerned about the printing of money. Everyone's terribly concerned about the budget deficit. You're not alone in that. And it's an, it's an uncomfortable question because I don't know the answer to it. Do you? What, what can he do? Tell me what he could do. Let's say you could advise him. What can he do after all of this printing of money? I don't know the answer. I don't have any advice. I want to ask what his plan is, what his... Good. No, I, I think it's a good one. Everyone's asking the same question. Because we're living through an inflationary time, and everyone knows it. Have you seen the price of steaks in a supermarket? Have you, have you looked at the price of meat? Every... No. Yes, I don't. I can't hear him. It's very hard. Have any, has anyone seen the price of steak in the market? I don't eat meat. Have you seen the prices? They've gone up a little bit like $20 for a steak, I'm told. Why? Why is meat so expensive? Because basic goods are the best marker of uh, uh, inflation. We're talking about meat, milk, bread, things like that. And the prices are very, very high right now because the cost of producing them and manufacturing these uh, foodstuffs and shipping them is very, very high. So we can't blame him for that. We have an epidemic that led to lockdowns that were at the time rational, but soon seemed to be power grabs. Let me put it 
to you uh, exactly the same way. The initial lockdowns were based on fear. And the initial lockdowns were based upon the advice given by men like Fauci, the politician, who pretends to be a scientist. I love all the Democrats. Listen to the science. Listen to the science. Fauci is a politician. No scientist survives 40 years in the NIH who's a scientist. Ask anyone in academia or, pol- or, uh, or science who, th- who rises to the top of those laboratories, who rises to the top of academia. They're usually the most Machiavellian manipulative of all the people. Ask any academician. Even if they're liberals, they'll tell you the truth. It's all about politics. Fauci is a politician. Now he's turning on Trump saying he's the victim. He thinks that Trump's going to lose and he's going to need a job again in the NIH from the next one if Trump is. Uh, so he could be there for 50 years. Buy another Brioni suit and go out there and make believe he's a scientist and have the moron say, listen to the science. Well, let me tell you what the science is. The science says that the COVID epidemic, while increasing in numbers, is decreasing in mortality. Decreasing in mortality. And there's no need for these lockdowns whatsoever. They've destroyed people. They've destroyed lives. They've destroyed cities, towns, and states. Everyone seems to know that now, except Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. She's so crazy with her power madness in Michigan that her coronavirus lockdown orders were voided by her own Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of Michigan. And by the way, the Michigan Supreme Court handed Governor Mad Dog Whitmer another legal defeat on Monday when a majority ruled her coronavirus orders are no longer in effect. On October 2nd, the Supreme Court of Michigan ruled that the 1945 law that Whitmer had been using to justify a state of emergency and her lockdown orders were unconstitutional. And they said she couldn't use any executive orders related to it. What did she do, this mad woman? She's the Pelosi of Michigan. Whitmer attacked the court and claimed that her orders remained in effect until October 30th. So this mad dog governor, the Pelosi of Michigan, attacks her own Supreme Court. And she said she's not going to listen to them. It's astounding to me what world we are living in that those who claim to be the most liberal are the most illiberal. Isn't that odd? Not odd to me. I've been studying these things for so long. I'm not surprised by any of it. Left-wing radicals, meanwhile, have posted an online guide to disrupting the country if the election is close. Did you hear this? You know, when push comes to shove, there is a military for a reason. I, I get sick to my stomach when I see them pulling down statues. I get nauseous. I'm a supporter of tradition. I'm a supporter of art. I'm a supporter of this nation. When I see mad dog mobs that look like the Nazis did to me, they're a step away from from, uh, Kristallnacht. They're a step away from burning synagogues to the ground. And if they did, what would happen then? The liberals would say, never mind, never mind. They're better than the Republicans. Is that what would happen? When your friends in Antifa and BLM burn a synagogue to the ground? You said nothing when they knocked down statues of Lincoln and statues of Teddy Roosevelt. You said nothing when they torched two synagogues in Los Angeles because Wolf Blitzer didn't tell you anything about it. The day will come that we're going to have to all back the government itself against these anarchists who will threaten to take over this country. And by the way, even if the Biden-Harris ticket should prevail. I want to calm your nerves just a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and say the world's going to collapse. I don't believe it, actually. You've got to understand that both parties are run by billionaires. Now, billionaires aren't bad people, necessarily. I'm not Bernie Sanders. I'm a capitalist. 
But the Democrat billionaires do not want this country to go up in flames any more than the Republican billionaires do. And you should be aware of the fact that most of these very, very powerful people give money to both sides of the aisle. They hedge their bets like in a gambling casino. Savage. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. This will be the end of hour number one in about 50 seconds. And... uh, Right after the top of the hour, when the show opens in the next hour, we're expecting the President of the United States on this program to have a conversation with yours truly, Michael Savage. And I want to say again, if you missed my opening, this is a very personal interview for me in a very personal time in my life, because only in America can an immigrant son such as myself end up interviewing the most powerful and most important man on the planet. That is the greatness of America. It should be an inspiration to everyone listening to this show. And it doesn't matter to me whether you are a Democrat or a Republican. Just understand how great this nation truly is. Again, the president will join us shortly after the top of the hour. I invite you to listen. And I doubt we'll get to your questions, but you're welcome to call in and hang on the line. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. You know, the more I think about President Trump, I got to tell you, he's like a buccaneer of the 18th century. And he's, not a, he's almost a man not for our times because he's unvarnished. There's no veneer on him. There's no stucco on him. Now, compare him to the pancake-made-up Democrats today who are trying to attack Justice Barrett, the, the polished Blumenthal whose hand was quivering. The White House, the Sheldon Whitefish one, where he had so many charts they fell out of his hand, he didn't even know what he had up there. And all smooth as silk, unvarnished, I mean, highly varnished, rather, polished, varnished, veneer, very polite, but underneath it, you know, they're vicious, vicious, vicious. And so we're living in a time of deceit where everything is upside down. We have no war. We're living through a time of no war. Think about that. War usually wrecks a nation. War is what usually defines a nation. We have no war. He brought the troops home from Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq. We have a Middle East peace, largely uh, almost universal in the Middle East between Jews and Arabs. They don't love each other, but they're not killing each other. The terrible times of Jimmy Carter of Bill Clinton, the terrible times of the Palestinians bombing and the Israelis counter-bombing and this one and that one killing each other. We all thought the world would go up in flames during those times. Isn't it odd that the man who was made to be the worst man in the history of the world is a man of peace? Well, anyway, we have a lot to talk about. It was a great interview. And uh, for me, give me a second, how did you do? I'll tell you tomorrow or the next day. Actually, I won't be here tomorrow or the next day. I will be back Friday, God willing. I have work at the Presidio Trust on Thursday that I cannot tell you about, but it's a very, very big deal. And uh, tomorrow I'm just taking a breather. But today, 
is a big day. A big day for me, a big day for America, because I have to repeat again, this will be the last interview that I ever give and ever get with President Trump or any other president. The radio career is over at the end of December, and I'm not so sure it's not God's will. I got to tell you, the more I think about it, there are forces that have been trying to get me off the air for many years now. I don't know if it's time to talk about it. This career was over several times, and like um, Lazarus, I rose from the grave. Through amazing willpower and fighting like the president, I rescued my career. I started all over again. I rebuilt a network. But there's only so many times I can and want to do that. Right now, I have to worry about other things and not so much about radio. So for whatever it is, this will uh, be, be it. The legacy will be an interview like this and my 26 years of tapes and my books, especially our fight for America, because I got to go back where I began. These words apply today just as much as I, they applied the day I wrote them. It's one paragraph. This book is not about a man. It's about a nation. It's about a fight that can't be fought by one man. It must be fought by all of us. Over the past 26 years, I've been on the radio spreading the news and doing my part to resist the radical left's war on our borders, language, and culture. And over the past year, the left has escalated it to a nuclear war, figuratively speaking. Every news story put out by them has become a dirty bomb. Every American institution has become uh, a target. But of course, the two things exploited most by the left have been the coronavirus and the murder of poor George Floyd. But another victim of our times is Donald Trump. Yes, he is a victim. He's not all the bad things they say about him. No man can be that bad. There are truly bad people on the earth. He is not one of them. And one of the craziest things I have seen in all of this crazy, the crazy times are Jews who call him an anti-Semite. Stone crazy liberal Jews call Trump an anti-Semite. And you say to them, now wait a minute. His daughter is married to a wonderful Orthodox Jewish man. His grandchildren by that marriage are Jewish. How can you call him an anti-Semite? And these diehard red diaper doper babies look you in the eye with a blank stare and they say, because I say so, because I know so. This is a, a madness of our times that is very hard to comprehend and where it comes from. You know what I'm saying? And now let's take the calls from you. You've listened to the interview with Donald Trump. The next is going to be the vote. Many of you have voted already. I haven't mailed mine in yet. My ballot's sitting right there on my dining room table. I can't even figure out half of the ballot measures, and I have a PhD, and I've been in the business 26 years. The ballot measures are so twisted, you don't know which, which way to vote. You need a book to figure out which way to, 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 to fill in the blank. That's how they want it, the, uh, the left. Let's go to Jimmy in New York, our good friend Jimmy. Jimmy, my lad, welcome to the program. How's the interview go for you? Dr. Savage, I mean, I hate those things. Oh, you're headed out of the ballpark, right? No, I was listening to two true friends, two true operative word friends, talking, hanging out. You're talking about hot dogs, you're talking about fish. You got everything in that you wanted to say to him. And then you gave him advice in the end. And he could have hung up and said, yeah, with the vitamins. But no, he wanted to hear what you had to say. He actually said to me, no, tell me now, right on the interview. I, I, I was surprised. He caught me by surprise. I didn't have a book in front of me. I know very well what he should be taking. And by, by the way, if, if, God, if God wills it and I'm in Florida in November, whether he wins or loses, I'm going to go to Mar-a-Lago and I'm going to look to say hello to him. I'm going to give him a list of vitamins to take. 
And you know, Jimmy, I got to say this. I was quite surprised at the warmth that the president projected right at the beginning, at the outset of the interview. Wasn't that surprising? No, because he does care for you. I heard other people talking to him over the weekend. And, oh, yes, Mr. President. Oh, no, Mr. President. You were like, hey, Donald, come on. What do you want to do here? What about this? What about that? That's how real men talk. Not bootlickers, as you call them. And no, real- but what's interesting, there are some very good conservatives out there whose shows he has been on, not knocking any of them at all. I don't sense he has a warmth for any of them the same the way he did today, that he showed today. Yes, because he knows who his enemies are. He always says, Michael, I miss you. Michael, you're with me from the beginning. He never forgot these Johnny-come-lately Johnny guys who think that they're going to be the attorney general under him. You know, they all want something from him. You know what it is? I think he knows I don't want anything from, from him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not angling for anything. Yeah, because you just care for him. I mean, there are people that care in this world. But let me tell you something about yourself, Dr. Savage. You, you know, you get me a little depressed when you said it's the end of my career. I'll never invite another president. Listen, no grass grows under your feet. You are far from a mamaluke, and out of the muck grows the blossom, I believe you said, or the lotus, right? Out, out of the muck blo- grows the lotus, right. Yeah, you're going to be fine. Believe me, you need a little breather. Tell everybody where to go in a nice way. But when you come back, you're going to come back with a vengeance. And guess who's going to be there screaming and rallying for you? Me. I'll never let you down. And yes, I do love the Savage family. And I do love the Savage Nation. And I do love Jim Faraday. And I think you guys are phenomenal. And whoever wants to play their games with you guys, shove it up their feet. Because they're no good. It's their loss. Not you. All right. Well, look, Jimmy, there are, there are forces out there that no one can know about that have conspired. And I don't want to talk about them because it's really not about me right now. It's about the president. It's about the election. It's about the uh, great game that's being played by Nancy Pelosi and that machine by trying to pull the wool over our eyes. They, you know, they pulled Kamala Harris out of nowhere. She's not, she never polled very well. She didn't uh, do very well after they picked her. They picked her for one reason only, and you know what that reason is. We can't even mention it on the radio. I even think think that's going to backfire because what they're doing is they're assuming that the African-American is going to go for this ticket just because she's on the ticket. They can see right through that, and I think that they also know that Kamala Harris is not there. They know Kamala Harris is not their friend. That's right. She will see Put them away. So, uh, look, I don't know. I don't think the election is over yet. I don't think it's over at all. And I think that the polls, as usual, could be wrong. I heard the same exact thing. Uh, what is this month already? October? The same exact story was going on before the last election. Almost identical, Jimmy. Bucky, Almost identical. Bucky Beaver. They had her winning all over the place. All right. I give you another book, but you know you have too many to give out in in Brooklyn there, so I'm not sending you another copy. You to know that I love you. That's it. I, you know, I heard emotion in your voice just now. You almost uh, cracked up just now. You got you got very emotional thinking that the Savage Nation wouldn't be on the radio anymore. I know. I heard it. it. It really does hurt. It hurts a part of my life. I know, Jimmy. Listen, look, I don't want to go through it, but after many a summer dies the swan, I I, I got to move on. I don't want to get maudlin right now because this is a very bad time uh, in in. Um, it's a very bad time in some ways. Let's put it to you that way. It's not the best of times and the worst of times. It's the worst and the worst of times right now. Scott in Virginia, line one, welcome to the Savage Nation. How would you like the interview or did you not like the interview? 
Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you both uh, did so well together that, it, I mean, it told everything we needed to know. It showed the strength of the president again, and it showed your your kind consideration as well. Well, you know, if people missed the interview, they can catch it later on the podcast. You know, I don't know if you heard the whole thing. I'm actually going to listen to it tonight. I want to hear it clean, you know, maybe after a drink or two tonight and hear how it sounds. You know, like everything else, nothing is perfect and nothing goes exactly the way you want it to go. I felt it start good. Then it kind of dribbles down a little and came back up a little like, you know, like life itself. But then toward the end, I felt that we came right back up to where we started. I felt it ended very well. And overall, I would give it a I'd give it a hundred. No, I'd say 90, 95 is what we the interview would uh, would be good. Scott, I'm sending you a copy of Our Fight for America. Please stay in the line. Uh, 855-407-282. Charlie in California, line four. What's uh, What do you got to say, Charlie? You're on the Savage Nation. Savage. Dr. Savage, it's such an honor to talk to you, sir. They call me, my friends in L.A., I consider myself the young Jimmy in New York, but in L.A., they, my friends call me Savage Son. You know, you're, you, you, I don't know if you realize this, but you know you're a father to a lot of us. What does a father do? He teaches his sons in a loving way, right from wrong, puts them in the right direction, don't forget that there are fathers to the fatherless to many of us. And I'll tell you something. I remember mm. back in December. Mm. I remember when you were on a roll. Man, you were on a roll. I could, hear, I could hear the fire on your voice. And then all of a sudden, silence. We started getting old recordings come on the air. You had the guest speaker. No one came on and told us what was going on. But I knew something in my guts. I could feel in my intuition. Something wasn't right. I prayed for you every day. I prayed, and then all of a sudden, you came back on, and you told us, you had been sick. You didn't tell us what. You oh, in December, yeah. Right, right, right. Right, I remember. Right, right. Well, when it was disclosed to certain individuals, they went to cut my heart out. Once they found out that it was a heart attack, they went to kill me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll hear that story one day. You know why Donald Trump, why he likes to talk to you? Don't forget who you are. You're fun to be with. You're classy. You know, who, at the end of the day, who, when they said that. Well, well the fact, fact is, before he became president, I met him a few times, and we always had fun. Remember I talked about the ice cream summit with him when we sat at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, he asked, he shooed everyone away from the table just so he could tell me stuff that he wouldn't say to anyone else, and I can't repeat it here. But, he, you know, he likes to laugh. I can just imagine he doesn't have too many people he can laugh with. Look at all of the people who stabbed him in the back, all the Brutuses that this man has hired. One after the other of people I tried to warn him against have stabbed him in the back. And I haven't even begun to warn him about his good friends in the media, what they're really out to do to him. But the fact is, is he's actually a trusting guy. He hired guys like the guy with the mustache. What was it? mustache's name? I, I forget his name. Whose mustache? The walrus. The walrus. Bolton. Yeah, but I warned him at Mar-a-Lago. Bolton was circling the buffet all the way on the perimeter. And he said, what do you think about him? I said, stay away from him. Watch out for him. He's a warmonger. Don't let him near you. The next thing I know, and I know who in the media pushed him. There's no secret about it. I know Wallbanger pushed him on the president. And the fact of the matter is, it tur he turned out to be a Brutus. So maybe he looks back and says, you know, this guy is like from my world, my generation, he sees the world the way I do, and he doesn't want anything from me. I'm not angling for anything, you know? That's the thing. Anyway, stay in a line, copy of Our Fight for America goes, thank, listen to me, son, I'll call you son. Son, <laughs> thanks for calling the show, Radio Son, back in a minute. Savage.
My way. It's always been my way or the highway. And I am facing the final curtain in radio. What follows after that, I don't know. I mean, I'm choosing this day to tell you this. It's really not the end today in that way, but in some ways it is the end of something, believe me. And I want to say it very clearly. Uh, I have no regrets. I've lived a great life, and I've had a great radio life, and maybe I've done all I need to do. It's that simple. And I think that the president's appearance on this show was almost a godsend. It only came to us yesterday. I had been asking for a while, you know, you go on on all these other shows. Some of them are big, some are small, some are unknown. What, what are you thinking? I said, I'm being very honest. I can't reach him directly at that time. I'm saying to the staff, the people who, who put him on shows, I said, I guess you don't want the Savage Nation vote. I said, remember, every one of them vote. They're the ones who counted last time. And what would you like me to tell them not to vote for the president? The next thing I know he's on the show. I got you, you got to understand something about life if you don't know it already. I don't know whatever course of life you're in. Nothing happens by itself. Everything in the world is a negotiation. Did you know that? And you got to fight for everything that you get. Did you know that? Well, I know that. My father taught it to me when I was a little boy. He told me that the world is a dog-eat-dog world. I didn't even know what he meant. But I sure learned it pretty quickly. And was my father wrong? No, my father was right. It's still a dog-eat-dog, big fish. Big fish eats little fish. Thanks for being with me today. It was a memorable moment. And with God's will and your listenership, I shall return right here on The Savage Nation. The Westwood One Podcast Network.